Welcome to Stay Engaged 2022. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you week by week. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with Triple Lift, the essential marketplace that offers advertising solutions for every channel and every objective. The only major supply-side exchange designed to make advertising better for everyone, advertisers, publishers, and consumers. Do you remember when searching the web meant navigating a minefield of unwelcome pop-ups promising to cure your belly fat? While this may still ring true for some sites, it's time to recognize that digital advertising has come a long way. In today's offstage audio session, Matthew Goldhill, founder and CEO of Picnic, will dive into the vital yet overlooked role that user experience has played in the evolution of digital advertising since the first pop-up banner in 1997. He also shares his predictions as the pandemic's digital acceleration continues and we enter Web 3.0. Hi, my name is Matthew Goldhill. I'm founder and CEO of Picnic, which is a UK-based ad tech company building the Social Display Marketplace, which is the first marketplace of social display formats, so stories, posts, served mid-article on the highest quality editorial content. I've worked in digital advertising for 10 years now, and it's amazing to see the journey that this industry has been on, both in the 10 years that I've worked here, and then also the previous 10 years at kind of the dawn of the internet advertising era. We're clearly in a time of huge change. And I think it's interesting to look back at the early days and see how much has progressed since then. And I'll be looking at this through the angle of user experience, which is incredibly important for myself as a user of the internet and browsing the internet, reading publications, news or politics, or just TikTok. And then also as a designer and someone who builds ads formats for a living. So let's look back at the early days of internet advertising with really annoying pop-ups, flashy banners, things that disrupt the user experience that wanted to be in your face and drive as much attention as possible without really necessarily driving value. I think we've all seen that we, if you remember dial-up in the 90s, you would have definitely experienced those ads. And it's interesting to think what came after these annoying pop-ups, which ruined the user experience of the internet for so many people. Well, two clear things came along. One was standardization, and I'm on the IAB podcast, it's interesting to think of the role that the IAB has played in standardization and providing a really clear set of industry-wide formats, which are not always the most flashy or in your face, but provide a good canvas for advertisers to deliver banners across the internet. I think the standardization has been uh, integral. The second thing, which was a, a massive trend five or six years ago, and I think has lost impetus for a very clear reason I'll talk about next, is ad blocking. There was a time where the ads on the internet were so flashy and in your face and annoying that ultimately people turned to ad blockers in order to remove ads from their experience, which obviously meant that the content that they were probably reading for free, the publisher wasn't getting any money for. I think one of the things that we've seen thanks to standardization and really concerted effort from publishers across the internet is that ad blocking has become less essential for users. The ads are less intrusive, less annoying, and people are more prepared to see an ad on the side of their page in order to get free content whilst not making the publisher lose their revenue. Ad blockers didn't come from nowhere and the solutions to ad blockers didn't come from nowhere. And publishers have done an awful lot of work in order to make sure that ad experiences are really key. But I think I'm going to say something ever so slightly controversial controversial, Facebook, they are one of the real reasons that the ad blockers didn't take off as much as they want because Facebook, something they did very well was provide an incredibly high user experience across all of their products, both for users 
and for advertisers. And I think this, as well as algorithms and targeting and all the kind of really fancy stuff that we talk about big engineers building, this laser focus on user experience is one of the reasons they are one of the largest companies in the world. How can we kind of describe this and prove this? Well, one really simple way of looking at things is looking at how Facebook was in many ways a similar concept to MySpace. It was at the beginning, a network of people connected together on the internet. But as anyone who's ever used MySpace will know, the Facebook user experience was standardized. It was flexible. It was really engaging to use, whereas MySpace was complex and buggy and annoying. But I think I don't want to focus on the early days of Facebook. I think we can look at how Facebook and other social networks have continued to innovate on user experience. Facebook created the newsfeed. They implemented stories so integrally into their products. Snapchat was a massive innovator in things like, obviously, stories, but then also full screen UIs with photos and lenses. And TikTok has, has taken that kind of full screen feed to the nth degree with their algorithmic social network. It's interesting the term social network, because actually, I think the term now is pretty defunct. There's nothing social about many of the social networks we visit, what these social networks are advanced user experience apps, which drive engagement through the really slick user experiences, and that drives more engagement from users. The social part really isn't a thing. So then the second part of user experience that social networks, specifically Facebook, really well implemented was how advertising fits into them. The term native advertising format is a, a little defunct nowadays, but I think it's interesting to look at it in the concept of Facebook versus standard banner ads. Facebook's experiences fit into the feed so neatly. The user doesn't always know whether they're seeing a bit of content or they're seeing an ad, and it's not disruptive to their experience. And as we've seen, this is one very useful tool in order to drive engagement. Compare this to banner ads, or as they're also known, billboard ads. And I think it's an interesting choice of words. Billboard is obviously something that we see on the side of a road, not integral to our experience. And I feel that's how those ads have always been set up from a user experience. There's something separate from the content, not ingrained to it. So I had the view that the user experience was an integral part of Facebook's growth, as well as the network it's built, and as well as being able to provide incredibly high quality targeting and attribution to advertisers. And if you look on the ad tech side of things, we focus on the plumbing, which Facebook did so well. We try and replicate the targeting and the attribution elements within the RTB ad tech ecosystem. I find it really interesting that we never really talk about or focus on user experience or another way of saying it is the creative element using the ad tech that we have developed. If you look at other sides of the advertising ecosystem, user experience is so integral to driving revenue and signups, people optimizing checkouts or websites, that it's so clear that user experience is an integral part to being a successful advertiser on the internet. Which leads on to how Picnic has built its products and how we built things from the very beginning of the founding of the company. Picnic's first products in the social display space were built in 2018, where we were a very small three-person company, and I was a designer thinking of ways to build interesting ad formats. And rather than looking at contemporaries on the ad tech side of things or in the open web, my immediate response as a user was to turn to Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, the social apps which I, again, as a user, love to use. And my insight was, is if I have an intuitive understanding of how to engage with a stories format or a lens or a feed, then that intuitive understanding can extend to other areas of the internet, specifically the open web. And I want to reiterate this point. Everything I was designing was as a user. I thought, how could I design the most toy-like, 
intuitive and user-friendly ad format, which would work really well for an advertiser's goals, fit into a publisher very neatly, but then crucially would respect the user's experience. And so the first thing we came up with was a stories format neatly designed into a not full screen height, which is delivered mid-article on editorial content. The second thing, however, was that we wanted to find editorial content which didn't load slowly, which didn't have lots of ads on it, and which replicated that really slick experience that you found on Facebook or Instagram. I felt that if we were going to design a uh, ad format which was user-friendly, we needed to sit on inventory which is also user-friendly. Which then led us on to looking into a part of the internet which is often maligned and not often looked into that much, which is called Accelerated Mobile Pages or AMP. AMP is a code framework created by Google about five years ago to speed up the mobile web. And it's done a very good job at that. The way it works is it removes a lot of the heavy load things on a web page, namely things built in JavaScript. It forces people using AMP to use a certain number of elements. So you don't have the kind of every single bit of code available on a standard website. You're limited by what you can build. And then also, if it's built in the correct way, the website can be launched from Google servers, which are really quick, far quicker than kind of your average publisher or an advertiser's server. So AMP as a concept is a really good idea. What's interesting, it's been very controversial. It's been controversial from publisher and developer side of things who see this as a Google forcing them to use some technology which they don't want to use or providing limitations on what they should be able to build. However, without hammering home the point, I look at it from the user experience point of view. And what's amazing is how much more engagement you get from an AMP page as users love how slick it is, how fast it is, how the content doesn't jump up and down as it's trying to load large images or videos or even adverts. And I think it's a really important thing that Google launched, which is recognition that user experience on all elements of the advertising journey from reading an article which has an ad on it to purchasing something, user experience is integral to that. So with Picnic's first product, we integrated our stories format only in Google AMP pages. And I'm very happy with the result and the insight that we had at that beginning, which is user friendliness for advertising has to set all elements of the journey. I'm going to take a quick tangent now to talk through the spiritual follow-up of AMP, something that Google is in the process of rolling out over the last two years. And it's called Core Web Vitals. Core Web Vitals is Google's new attempt to increase the user experience of the web. And it does so not by limiting what code you can use, but by judging the quality of the website you've built based on three key metrics. And the metrics, I won't go into the kind of the full acronyms and details, but the metrics are load time. So how quickly does the largest asset load? Responsiveness. If it's on mobile, you're going to be touching it and tapping it. So it has to be really responsive. How quickly can you pull the page up and down? And then finally, visual stability. So does content jump up and down as pages load? And Core Web Vitals is driven by very similar impulse to AMP, as you can see. It's there in order to promote greater user experience. And what Google's doing with this score is rather than saying, use our AMP technology because it will build a better page, it's saying, you build a page however you want. We will judge your websites using this Core Web Vitals score. And then we will use that score in order to influence search engine optimization. So you will receive a higher rank on Google based on your Core Web Vitals score. We think this is very interesting and it is something that we're starting to work with our publishers with to deliver ads, not just on their AMP pages, but also on their core web vital pages. 
Again, I'm hitting home on a theme, user experience is integral and delivering and that across all of the internet and that includes how you deliver ads. What I find interesting about user experience is that it so neatly ties in to the other big trends of the internet and the shifts we're going through. And namely, that is privacy. As everyone knows who would be listening to an IAB podcast, we're going through a large shift in how ads are targeted over the internet with the decline of the third-party cookie. And we've also gone through the GDPR cookie banner experience from kind of 2016 and 2017 onwards. So we're all aware there is a trend and a focus on how we can make the internet more private for users and the large-scale kind of data harvesting that which has existed, users don't like. But if we kind of pull that out a bit further, we can think of other things that users don't like. And again, as anyone listening to this podcast will probably have this experience. If you mention what you do to someone, they often say, oh, cookie banners, those big annoying pop-ups which ruin my user experience. And I find that really interesting because it means that GDPR was something which was aimed at improving user experience from a privacy expectation, but actually ruined user experience from a design and just general usability of the web experience. So what I'm trying to pull from this is that privacy, which is driving the massive changes in the industry that we're experiencing at the moment, privacy is one component of user experience. User experience encapsulates so many things, all of which are integral for businesses, be they ad tech businesses, advertisers, publishers, businesses that are trying to make money on the internet. And if you have to look at all components on of user experience in order to make the necessary changes for the next steps of the internet. So let's go back to Vitals and what it means for Picnic as an ad tech provider. Well, what we decided was from our insight, as I said, we delivered user-friendly stories on user-friendly inventory. And now we have this really interesting score to define the experience is user-friendly, this Core Web Vital score I mentioned before. So what Picnic have done is built the first Core Web Vital scoring system for the publisher side of the open web. So what we do is for every single article page we deliver ads on on the internet, we're able to get a Core Web Vital score of that page to see whether it has passed a threshold, so whether it has a good user experience, whether it has a really low user experience, but also we can see that article page, whether it's on desktop or on mobile or even on AMP. And it means that for one of the first times, we have a highly reputable, it's provided by Google, third-party metric for defining user experience of every campaign that we deliver or anyone delivers. We think this is really interesting development. No longer do we talk about high quality or even positive user experience in kind of qualitative, slightly fluffy terms, but we have this quantitative metric which can really define how user-friendly a campaign is. We're then tying that to another big trend that lots of people in the industry are doing at the moment, namely attention. And so we've done an eye tracking study partnering with a company called Lumen to provide a predicted attention score across all of our inventory. And so we're at the point now where we can deliver our campaigns, which a year ago we know were very effective, but now have these really valuable quantitative metrics to show user experience with Core Web Vitals and then also attention with our Lumen score. I want to talk on one more point on user experience and tie it back into these user-friendly schools I was talking about, because I think it's really interesting to note that user experience is nebulous and shifting. It's something which you can't be happy you have right now. And in the next few years, it will again shift. And I think a really fantastic example of that is sustainability. 
sustainability is one of the most important factors for user experience, which not enough people are talking about at the moment. And it's mainly because people don't know. But when users understand the facts, I'm sure that they will be very concerned and interested to understand how they can bake in sustainability into their user experience when browsing the internet. A company called Scope3, founded by the former founder of AppNexus, has just launched. And they're trying to be the de facto data company to show how sustainable an advertising campaigner was and what the CO2 emissions were. And they have an incredible fact, which is that one million impression generates one metric ton of CO2. This is the equivalent of taking one round trip from Boston to London. That of itself is an incredible statistic. And then you think about how many millions of impressions are being served a day. And you can see that the CO2 emissions of the internet are the hidden UX crisis, which is in the process of being revealed. So when we heard about this, we were very keen to partner with Scope3 as quickly as possible. And I'm very proud that we're the first partner they're working with to deliver 100% measurement across all of our campaigns. And we pay compensation to incredibly high quality carbon offset providers in order to make sure that our campaigns are carbon neutral. But I think more than just the compensation element, which is very important for optimizing and, and figuring out how to reduce the carbon emissions of the campaign, is providing a third metric to add to the user experience and the attention metrics we mentioned earlier which is showing to an advertiser and the publishers we work with what the sustainability is of the campaign. I want to take a slight tangent here because I've been speaking about sustainability for a few minutes. And sustainability is, as I said, one of the, the hidden dangers of the future of the internet. And I think that ties really nicely into what we're seeing with Web3. I'm sure there'll be many discussions in the IAB over the next few months or years about Web3.0 and the blockchain and how advertisers should use it and how users are using it. And from my perspective, it's always been a hard topic to get into because, again, I'm sorry for banging the drum. I like looking at things from a user's perspective, not an engineer's perspective. So I think if you look at Web 3.0, there's two things I want to bring up which tie to what I've just been speaking about. One is about sustainability. Web 3 has a large problem with sustainability, specifically on the Ethereum network, which it is in the process of solving. But at the moment, Ethereum and definitely blockchain are wasting huge amounts of energy with no real user use except for speculation and making money. Advertisers should be very concerned about partnering with companies which have these problems. The second thing I want to say about Web3 is how it ties to my previous points about user experience. Web3 is a concept about how ownership on the internet can change to be decentralized. And as a concept, it's really interesting. The follow-on to what's interesting is that the companies that most people engage with on Web 3.0. They aren't decentralized. They are centralized organizations owned in very similar ways to previous organizations. Two examples I can think of, Coinbase, which allows you to buy Bitcoin or other coins on the blockchain, and then OpenSea, which allows you to buy NFTs. So why do I think these are interesting? These companies have built user-friendly experiences on top of the blockchain. All these companies do, and I say all, but they built really fantastic businesses. All they do is provide a really user-friendly, easy way for a user to engage with a concept. So I think that ties into the point I was making at the beginning, which is user-friendliness is central to all of the internet and how we use it, from advertising to building new businesses to publishing content on there. So uh, that's how I'm going to finish up. As I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, three and a half years ago, I 
spent time as a user and in a small business without any revenue or customers or clients thinking, how would I like to see ads on the internet? How would I, as a user, be happy to engage in an ad? And how would I like to read a publication knowing that I got the benefit of reading this for free and knowing that a publisher got money? And we built that ethos thinking about advertisers, thinking about publishers, but also thinking about users into the heart of everything that Picnic does. It's evolved a lot since then, but it's evolved in really interesting ways. And what I'm excited about is I'm more convinced than ever that user experience is at the very heart and essential to the next developments of the internet. Thank you. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. And thanks to our partners at Triple Lift. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. The next Stay Engaged offstage session is from Frameplay's Chief Strategy and Operations Officer, Carrie Tilds. Carrie shares her personal story of how taking the leap from big roles at Group M and Ford Direct into a gaming ad tech startup reshaped her understanding of the future of virtual experiences found in gaming and the metaverse. That's next on Stay Engaged.